Blog Talk Radio. If it's too good to be true, it usually is. That was the thing my parents told me since I was a little kid. Most of the time, it's accurate. When Monster Energy signed with NASCAR, I thought, boy, what a deal. A great sponsor to help promote the sport. That's exactly what we need. But how long will it be around? I guess we'll find out soon enough. Let's talk in circles. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with my co-host and partner, John Harlow from SpeedwayMedia.com. Another great episode of Talking in Circles. Tonight we discuss the Monster Energy deal with NASCAR. A couple of reports this week, John, about Monster Energy, how long that contract is. We'll discuss that. Um, also, we'll discuss um, at, with Alex Gallagher from Last Motorsport. LastWordOfMotorsport.com, his most recent article on the staleness of the NASCAR schedule. I think we all can relate to that. Plus a tweet from Adam Stern of the Sports Business Business Journal about the possibility of midweek racing. That's an interesting topic as well. We'll dive all into that, and we'll take your phone calls at 917-889-8280. Just 74 days until the 59th running of the Great American Race, 66 days until the clash at Daytona in 63, until the trucks load up and get ready to go to Daytona. And that's nine weeks. So nine weeks, and we're getting ready for Daytona. But first, John, let's talk about it. It was the Monster Energy deal, obviously, they announced it a couple of weeks ago. Now a report comes out from the, on the uh, Sports Business Journal about Monster Energy. According to them, it was a, it's a two-year deal with a two-year option. And the sponsorship is around $20 million a season. NASCAR CEO Brian France came out this week right after those re- that report and said those numbers were simply, quote, not accurate. Uh, obviously, when, when Sprint backed out, John, in 2014, in December 2014, they came out and there was rumors saying that um, NASCAR was looking for a $100 million a year sponsorship. Sprint was paying somewhere between 75, 50 and $75 million. Uh, with your best guess, uh, do you believe that the, the Sports Business Journal what do you think about this monster deal if it's a two-year deal with with options, John? Well, one of the things is Sports Business Journal is a very credible organization. You read their stuff a lot of times. They're right um, weeks before it comes out everywhere else. I mean, they just have the knack for getting everything correct. I mean, they don't just throw it out there to throw it out there. They're one of those places that they do two, three sources before they go to go to press with it. They just don't throw it out there to throw it out there. Uh, Brian France said the numbers were wrong, but he didn't say how wrong they were. And if they're close to right, which I think somewhere in the middle is probably where they're talking, I mean, it's probably $20 million is probably a little too low. And if it is $20 million, God, I think you and I could go run – uh, the business department of NASCAR for that kind of a deal because whoever did it screwed the pooch. Um, Dale Jr. gets $30 million a year for his car. Mm-hmm. And the top series can't get the amount Dale Jr. gets on his car. NASCAR is in big trouble if that's the case. 
Yeah, and it's an interesting topic because, you know, think about it this way. You know, um, I, I always say this. You know, that money from Sprint and everything went to the points payout. And, yeah, it, it helps fund the, the NASCAR official salaries and all their salaries and everything. Sprint was paying 75, $50 to $75 million, which a Forbes article had reported in June. That's, that was, that's somewhere around the, 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 the point where Sprint was paying, even if it's $30 million, John. That's $20 million less than, than the lowest Sprint could have paid. Um, so that's a, maybe a lower payout for some of these teams in, in the points fund at the end of the year. And we saw NASCAR take a little bit of the championship the champion's cut of the purse away from the champion and kind of spread it evenly throughout the field. And you got to wonder if that was because they saw this coming up on the horizon, that they weren't going to get the deal they thought they were going to get. And they've kind of said, you know what, we're going to give you more money that way. So, yeah, you know, we, we don't have the same amount of money we have in the purse, but at least the teams won't feel the impact as much. Now, it makes me wonder, John, you know, you think about Roush Fenway Racing for a second. This is the team in that 16 car this year with Greg Biffle ran without sponsorship for a lot of the year this year. Uh, the 34 car the same way at Front Row Motorsports. They ran without sponsorship. Front Row Motorsports runs, usually runs a car without sponsorship with Bob Jenkins filling in with his businesses as a sponsor in that car. Now it looks like both teams. Uh, you know, Obviously, Ross Fenway sold their, their charter away. They don't, they don't want to do it without a sponsor. Front Row Motorsports is looking for a funded driver to drive that 34 car. You have to wonder if it's because they're not going to get as much money at the end of the year with with the payouts for the points. So a lot to take in here. I, I just think the owners, you know, I almost feel bad for them because if this is the fact that they're not going to get paid as much, you know, you have to wonder how they're going to kind of make up for that. The business model keeps getting worse and worse. The charter system was supposed to help the business model for the owners. And at this point in time, it sure as heck doesn't look like it because the charter system hasn't um, – I mean, you look, we're already seven, eight charters getting ready to move in the first year of the charter system. And they're probably moving for not much more than pennies on the dollar. I mean, I don't think Jack Roush got a couple million bucks out of JTG Geordie for that 16 charter. They probably got a few hundred thousand for the lease, if that, because you don't make that much in a year. There isn't that much being paid out right now. The And if you look at the business model, it takes $30 million to run a well-funded, decent team throughout the season. And at mm-hmm. the most, you're going to make at the end of the year is $10, bucks. That, not I mean, unless, unless I'm mistaken, that you're losing two-thirds – you're not even racing to make up your sponsorship. So if you don't have $30 bucks in sponsorship, there's no way you're going to survive. 917-889-8280 if you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles. Uh, listen, it, it's an interesting, interesting thing because, you know, think about it this way too. Uh, if a sponsor, you know, is paying $30 million for the entire series, uh, what's that say to maybe, you know, let's say Power Motorsports wants a sponsor there for 125 a race. And they're going to sit there and go, well, how much is the, even the series sponsor paying per race? You know, if it's $30 million, they're not even paying a million dollars a race. So why would I pay $125,000 for a car that runs in the middle of the pack? It doesn't make any sense. So here, I'll give you 80000 And now these teams have to co- sort of re uh, figure out their budgets a little bit here. 
Um, you know, it just doesn't look good if that's the case. And listen, I love Monster Energy. I think they're going to do some great things for this sport. Um, it's just surprising that to me it was that low. I think we 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 knew um, that it didn't. We didn't expect it to be the hundred million dollars. I think NASCAR very much overvalued uh, the title sponsorship for this series. I think everybody knew that right right off the bat when they said a hundred million dollars. It was almost like good luck. But the fact it it is interesting because. You have to wonder if the panic mode is going to start kicking in here. Um, you know, they don't work. They say they're not really concerned about ratings because of you know social media is high in NASCAR. You know, hashtag NASCAR does very well. You know, people are going through other avenues to watch races and stuff like that. But then, how come the title sponsor wasn't nearly where you, where it was last year and the years before? And why is it a two-year deal with an opt-out if it's if it's such a good buy? This used to be a sponsorship's dream to be in this sport. And now it's not. John, what do you think we need to do to fix this? Um, You know, if this is the case, what do we need to do to fix this series to make it where sponsors want to be there and paying a lot of money to be there? Well, first of all, they've got to fix the product. The product, and, and part of the problem is the product is so expensive. They've put so much engineering and so much everything into the car that a lot of times a monkey can drive it and finish 20th. Then you add the personnel and everything on top of that to get it to a top five team. But it costs so damn much to put a good car on the track from the engineering and everything goes into it. I mean, there's a part of me that wishes we could go back to the day where it was 10 guys in the shop, the same guys who built the car, are the same guys who pitted the car, and they were the team. Instead of the 600-person shop with 300 people worth of engineering and the and the shaker, I mean the the shaker rigs and all the different simulations that they have, just build the car, go race it, make it simpler, make it affordable. Yeah, because and I think you can't do it. There's been a lot of things to contribute to that, John. I think, you know, you bring up a good point. I think there's a lot of fans out there who edit, who uh, you're echoing their their thoughts as well, where they say, hey, you know, it was nice when a team could build their own engines, build their own chassis, and go out there and win races. And in the last 10 years, we really, really have not had that happen. Um, you know, now it, it, if you are not one of the big teams, the Hendrick Motorsports, the Joe Gibbs Racing, the Richard Childress Racing, uh, and then Team Penske, and those guys uh, who – fund an engine program or have an engine program and make their own chassis and are a big-time team, you're not going to go out there and compete. Uh, we've even seen a team like Chip Ganassi Racing who's got a lot of money behind them. Uh, they've only won, I think, one race in the last six years. So, yeah, it's been a struggle for them too. Um, I think there's been a lot of things to that. I think the fact that we, we have engineering now, the engineering, engineering has become so prevalent, sports so huge in this sport, I think that's one. I think the other thing is the rulebooks have gotten the rulebook has gotten so tight on these guys that you know the ingenuity of these crew chiefs. You know, even if, if you find a sort of a diamond in the rough, you know, look at what uh, Furniture Racing has done here. You know, they kind of sat a diamond in the rough with Cole Pern, and that's helped them transition into a big time team with Joe Gibbs Racing. But that's very, very, very rare uh, right now. We that's one instance where you can think of a team that was kind of a, a team that was 
you know, teetering on, on the borderline, uh, not running very good, got an association with Richard Shelton Racing, got a nice young crew chief in there, and all of a sudden moved to Toyota and became a, a powerhouse team, which, you know, if you remember Furniture Racing this year, they were the elite team in racing for the first, in NASCAR, excuse me, for the first six months of the season. And, you know, but it's very rare that that, that happens. Uh, and, and Cole Pern's got an engineering background. And so that's where these guys are coming from. And I think this rule book needs to open up a little bit. And we've gotten too, too close on the rules. Um, but with that being said, uh, you know, these teams spent all this money on this new rule package in 2017 with the lower downforce package. Do you think, John, this lower downforce package is a step in the right direction, or do we need to go into a little bit of a better, more direction where you open up the rule books? Rule book. What is your thought here uh, on 2017 in the new lower downforce package, even more lower than what we had in 2016? I think it'll be a help, but if you look at how it was in 2016, at the beginning of the year, the downforce was they had low downforce, but throughout the year, being the smart engineers that they are, they found other ways to create the downforce. So as long as NASCAR can stay away, stay ahead of the crew chiefs, they're going to be able to do it. And it'll be a better racing package. The problem is, and if you remember, in 2014, when they had the package that they had then, before they took away the horsepower, they had a lower downforce package, but they had all the horsepower. Took horsepower away, and guess what? The racing had sucked. They said, we slow them down, and there'll be better racing. The racing has sucked. 2014 was one of the best years we've had in racing. There was never a bad race. There was always a fight at the finish to see who could win. I mean, it wasn't anybody blew anybody away. You look at what Truex did at the Coke 600 this year. He lapped all but 10 cars. It was just, I mean, it was just... You could have turned that off at 7 o'clock and known Truex's win as long as he didn't blow up, and they blow up so rarely anymore. That's one thing, one rule I wish they would do is take the rev limiter out. If they take the chip out and then they have a chance to blow the engine, then you have some parity. I mean, you could end up seeing somebody, instead of just driving the hell out of the car, knowing it's not going to blow up, they take care of the car better. The driver is not as much a part of the car as it used to be. So we'll see. I think the downforce package will help the first half of the year. But then the second half of the year, the engineers will catch up to it. It'll be just like it is at the end of this year. 917-889-8280 here uh, to join the show on Talking in Circles. Another thing I think Monster's going to help with, John, is sort of create new ideas for this sport. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week. But let's talk about the lower demographic. You know, I, I know one of the demographics, it's been reported that NASCAR is really trying to hit on the young kids in this sport where they can kind of take them and get them at a young age and keep them race fans for life because I think once a racing bug hits you, it sticks in you. And, you know, I know you've watched racing since you've been a little kid. Same thing with me. Uh, we do this show because we love racing and we want to see it uh, go forward. Um, but, you know, what do you think we, we need to do to hit that demographic? Do you think – there's something NASCAR can do a little bit better. Do you think these races are too long? You know, that's been a big topic of conversation, that these races are, in fact, too long. These 500-mile races, we don't really need to see anymore. And I know you said last week you think all races need to be 400 miles. That's not a bad move either. Um, but 
you know, what else? Do you see there's anything else we can kind of hit that younger demographic with? The one thing that NASCAR's never really had a good one of, they've never had a really good video game. I mean, you see all the other video games. You got Madden, you got MLB. This is the first year that NASCAR's had a halfway decent video game, but they haven't mm-hmm. really made a really good video game where the kids can, I mean, look like they participate in it. And the one thing it's different, it's like baseball, football fans. You become a baseball and football fan a lot of times because you play it. Right. NASCAR isn't one of those things where you can play because there's only 40 people that can do it. And you either get it or you don't. And we don't have the same uh, ability. The car crowd isn't like it used to be. It just, I don't know how they're going to pull it off. I mean, it's got to be one of those ones where they have to shorten the races to keep the attention span is one of the things I think they need to do. they got to make it where it is a good product, where you see passing, where you see different things like that. But they also have to have some sort of marketable drivers that aren't just milk toast. And we've pretty much lost all of them right now except for Keselowski and Kyle Busch or the, and Kurt Busch at times. They're the only ones who aren't really milk toast. Well, it's funny because Monster Energy, you know, they came out last week and said basically that they want to see drivers' personalities again, which is good that NASCAR has a sponsor that does that because I think we did get, you know, there was a time in their sport where we um, fined Dale Earnhardt Jr. for cursing on, on his team radio. I mean, it was it was to that point where you kind of sat there and said, do we really need to be doing that? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense because that, that's emotion, and I think people like to see emotion. You know, some of the best memories I had when I was a kid was when Rusty Wallace and Dale Earnhardt took each other out at, at Bristol, and Rusty threw a water bottle at his head. I mean, that was that was at the end of that race. That was, I mean, it was phenomenal racing, but it was just great to see their emotion and how much they cared. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head, John, with with the video game. I think that's a big thing. And you know, they broke off their relationship with EA Sports a little while back, about I'd say five six years ago, maybe even more than that now. Um, and they tried to create this video game, and iRacing is a very good game. I know iRacing, I know there's a lot of people who do iRacing, um, and, they, and it's very creative, and it does a lot of good things, but my point to iRacing is it's so expensive, and I'm not saying they should lower the price on that, but if they could somehow sort of find a medium where you kind of take the iRacing and the video game and kind of mix them together a little bit and make it a lot more fun and, and at a cheaper price for these kids, um, I think that might help hit the lower demographic, like you said, John. I think that's a that's a very good point. Um, we're going to bring on Alex Gallagher here in a second from LastWordInMotorsport.com. But what, what's your last word here, John, on um, this whole Monster Energy deal with NASCAR? I think if it's two years, $20 million a year with options, NASCAR's in big trouble. I mean, they've got eight more years on the TV deal. But if they don't get their ducks in order down in Daytona Beach. After this eight-year deal with Fox and NBC, NASCAR is going to be IndyCar. That's a fair point. And, uh, you know, I think the part of the problem is the fact that uh, we have gotten a lot like open-wheel racing. And, um, you know, I think it it was good that NASCAR had a little bit of of their own identity. I think they need to sort of get back to their own identity with stock car racing, I absolutely do think that. Another thing I think a problem is is the fact that we need a schedule shakeup. We talked about it a million times, John, and 
an interesting article that piqued my interest this week from lastwordonmotorsport.com from Alex Gallagher, uh, wrote that they had a sort of a stale product. And, Alex, thanks for joining the show tonight. Uh, what was your um, initial thought process behind this article? Why did you decide to write this article? Well, you know, uh, thanks for having me, guys. But, you know, I really think coming from a NASCAR fan myself, I'm just fed up with seeing the exact same track be run every other week. And there's not a lot of variety when it comes to the schedule because you look at tracks in Formula One, even the V8 supercars in Australia, they have a lot of variety. Here in NASCAR, you don't have that much variety, but they're regurgitating the same design just in different areas. And I'm just completely fed up with it, to be honest. Yeah, it was an interesting point, you know, and you talk, talked about a lot of racetracks that used to be on the schedule. John Harlow, you remember, I'm sure you remember Nazareth, Pennsylvania boy, you are. That was a great racetrack. That's, you know, almost gone. Um, you know, we remember all remember North Wilkesboro. And, and, and this is an interesting topic because there's so much to dive into with this. Uh, part of it is a business aspect. I think the ISC and SMI have swallowed and eaten up their competition so much that there there really is no competition anymore. Dover Motorsports is hanging on by a thread. They own Gateway in Dover, obviously. Um, and, you know, the Mattiolis are hanging in there as well, but they got a really close relationship with NASCAR. But other than that, you know, there's really no other major company out there that competes with these guys. And they're putting multi-billion dollar um, renovations into racetracks. We saw it with Daytona. ISC is going to do it to Phoenix. I heard Richmond's coming up. They might do it there as well. Um, so there's a lot of things to take in here. Uh, but, you know, John, do you think we need a, a schedule shakeup a little bit in NASCAR? And where do you think they go? I mean, there's just not a whole lot of options right now to go to a racetrack that can, that can hold a NASCAR race. Well, that's one of the problems. And, I mean, yeah, there's some great racetracks that we don't go to anymore. My favorite racetrack I've ever gone to, I love Rockingham. It was a great track. But they could never get a good date. And they could never sell it out because they were either in November or they were at the end of February. And even though you're in North Carolina, it's not all that warm in late February, and it's not all that warm in early November. So the people, the walk-up crowd wasn't there a lot of the time. Um, I thought Rockingham was a great track. Nazareth was a great track. Pikes Peak was a great track. Um, like Alex put in his article, the um, – the Mick track down at Disney World, that was a cool little track. But the, the attendance isn't there to support what they're trying to do. Again, you look at they're trying to pay, I mean, trying to make a $30 million race car go for a season, and if you can only seat 50000 the one that surprises me how well it continues to do is Martinsville. There isn't that much seating there, but they still end up continuing to do it because ISC owns it. Bruton makes his money off of Bristol, but it's it's been struggling lately. I think if Bruton had his way, he'd put a second race in Vegas because that's the one that sells out on a regular basis. Yeah, it's, just, and the last thing it's, it's a struggle. And the last thing we need in this sport, like Alex said in his article, is more mile-and-a-half tracks. And, um, Alex, you know, we, we, we just, I just asked John this question. What do you think? Do you think maybe NASCAR should – look at maybe for the Cup Series a dirt race, uh, an outdoor-type series. Is that feasible for the Cup Series? You've know, you got to remember with these trucks, when the trucks run their outdoor, they run a, compl- a brand new, a completely different chassis than what they run at anywhere in the race, at, at anywhere else they race. So 
That is a, a separate, whole separate thing that, that, that the Truck Series do for Dirt Race. Do you think that's possible in the Cup Series to do that? Um, and where do you think they should go for a Dirt Race? Oh, you know, I definitely think it's possible. I mean, it's 2016, anything's possible, right? But I, I really think mm-hmm. that their money is there and the talent is there with the team owners and with the people behind the scenes that they can easily make a dirt package to run on the tracks. What I was thinking is I'm not thinking of maybe a regular season race on dirt because I don't know if, if the tracks like Eldora or Knoxville are big enough to handle all those stock cars. I could see something like maybe the All-Star Challenge or maybe like something like the Bud Shootout being held maybe midsummer around the same time as the Eldora truck race, but where maybe only 20 cup cars are running around the dirt track. Cause really Eldora is a pretty big facility, but it's not big enough to, I think, handle 40 cup cars like it can 32, 36 trucks. But I definitely think it is possible. 100%. Well, I think it'd be interesting. You mentioned about shootout and, I think that would be very interesting to move to a place like Volusia County uh, that, that's got, you know, some, some history behind it and a lot of dirt racing there going on the week of Speed Weeks. I think that would be phenomenal to move a cup race if they could do that. Now, I, the only reason why I say that weekend, it, it's an expedition race where there's no points behind it. I think it would be all fun. Um, I think they need to figure out, what the, again, here's the issue. You know, we're talking about this and saying that's a great idea, but here's the issue. ISC makes a lot of money off that that Sprint Unlimited, whatever you want to call it, but shootout, now it's the Clash at Daytona. They make a lot of money off that race. They make money off that race. Will ISC sit there and go, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll take the hit. You know, we'll take the hit off that weekend. We'll take the hit and not sell our tickets for that race. You know, it, it's interesting. It, it That's the business part behind this. And, you know, you mentioned expedition races, and, and that's a good point because a part of this, I think part of this, John Harlow, is the fact that we have too many races in the Cup Series. We run 36 points races, 38 if you include the shootout and the all-star race, 38 weeks in a 52-week year, year is a lot of racing, and there's really not, not much else you can go. And I think that's part of the problem, too, is, you know, if these, if these track owners want to keep their money flowing and keep it, uh, positive, they're not going to lose a date on a, on a racetrack, and there's really no other dates you can expand now, because we already run in in the middle of February all the way to Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think one of the things we're running into with NASCAR, and as we go later in the show with the next topic about the midweek races, I think NASCAR's in the borderline oversaturation. I mean, you've got three series, and Two, uh, I mean, one of them is really good, and that's a truck series. The Xfinity series is an also-ran series because basically it's cup light, and the people who run Xfinity on a regular basis are fighting for 15th and 20th. And then the cup, if you're not Penske, Stuart Haas, Joe Gibbs Racing, to include Furniture Row, or Hendrick Motorsports, you really don't have a legitimate shot at the championship. So, in other words, there's about the same 15 teams that have a shot at the championship every year, and it'll rotate amongst the same four teams. It just doesn't work out. One of the things you asked, if would ISC give up to Volusia County to put the clash down there? God, no. The same way Bruton will never let the All-Star race leave All-Star. Charlotte. Yep. And, I mean, it's never going to happen. I mean, the dollar signs are too much. And that's all right. it's about. I mean, I did a piece whenever I was 
uh, in school out of Kansas. I went to Kansas Speedway, talked to their PR folks about the operations of a track. Kansas Speedway has 16 full-time employees. On a race weekend, it's up to 400 because of the part-timers that they have for parking and all that stuff. But they could go and run a race. They could run both races at Kansas Speedway without selling a hot dog, without selling a ticket, and turn a profit because of the casino across turn two. And that's a good point. You know, and that's a big thing where ISC makes that profit off that casino. So if they get race uh, attendance there and and race traffic there in that casino, two weeks out of the year, it's a lot more profitable than it is for one week of the year. Alex, here's part of the problem I have with it as well. Um, you know, I think ISC and SMI, they, they want to keep people there all weekend. They want to keep them there on Friday. They want to keep them there on Saturday. They want to keep them there on Sunday. They want to keep them uh, in one spot. And I understand that logic, but I think part of it is, too, that, you know, we sort of have this product now that not only are you watching, you know, Pocono twice, once, you know, a week now and going somewhere else, now you're watching Pocono twice a week because of the Xfinity race there, the trucks there. I mean, those are new races there. Remember, we we only ran Cup and Arca in, at Pocono forever. Or or those, you know, tracks like um, Michigan, which we see trucks run on it and, and Xfinity run on. Um, so I, I think seeing those guys there for three straight races it makes the product stale um and i would like to see the trucks go back to shorter tracks but do you think that's a real possibility you know um a point that you brought up earlier was about the truck series having a really good schedule and um one of the things that i noticed was the 2013 truck schedule was by far one of the most amazing truck schedules that i've ever seen because they didn't have a lot of duplicate races and they ran on a dirt track a road course Rockingham Speedway, and I think I think I had one or two Iowa races, and they really had a diverse type of track. But yeah, you know, I do agree with your point that when you have three races all running at the same, so let's take the Dover weekend, for example, Trucks, Xfinity, and Cup all at Dover, you might be thinking like, oh, like another Dover race, another Dover race. Oh, look, another Dover race. I do think when the trucks are maybe in a different spot, like take a look at the Darlington weekend, Xfinity and Cup are in Darlington. Meanwhile, the trucks are up here in Canada. And I think a lot of people tend to tune into the truck race to see what the unique kind of racing that's going to happen at that racetrack. When the Xfinity and trucks aren't in the same place as the Cup Series, I think it makes the weekend a little bit more palatable in terms of not being stale. But that, I think, is just um, something that might not happen a lot now because of the lack of third-party tracks and the lack of tracks that are exclusive to the Xfinity and trucks because um, one by one, they're all disappearing um, Gateway just mm-hmm. came back after hiatus, but Nashville's gone, Memphis is gone. All these tracks like Pikes Peak are now gone that were uh, completely um, exclusive to those lower-tier series. Milwaukee Mile and IRP as well, and, and that's another problem, John. You know, IRP was a staple in the Xfinity Series. It was one of the, the premier events in the Xfinity Series for years. They ran there in 82. They ran, it was a great race. We used to see a lot of young kids go to that race because it was a short track, and it was a premier short track and you were in front of cup owners' eyes because the cup race was just down the road at IMS, and now we move it because of the attendance problems at the cup race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We move IRP to Indianapolis, and the trucks don't even run there anymore. That's another short track gone. And, and listen, we, you know, I know you're disdain for Indianapolis Motor Speedway, John, for these stock cars. You know my disdain for it. Um, I, I, I don't understand the fact that if people are sick and tired of watching the cup racing there, why are we moving an Xfinity race there as well? It doesn't make any sense. And that's another point of it is 
where you're in an entertaining business. And I think it would be a lot more entertaining to watch these cars run at different top style racetracks, but there are other factors we have to take into consideration. But again, how much will it take? How much will, will, will it take for the fan base to say, you know what, enough of this. We don't care about the other factors. We understand that, that, that there's, that's a part of it, but we have to see something different. We want to see more short tracks. IRP is a great racetrack just sitting there, John, and it makes me angry because that can totally, even on, on a different weekend in Indianapolis, it could totally host a truck race or an Xfinity race, but they won't have it. One of the things you look at, IRP only seats about 25,000. And even though it looks like an empty village whenever you go to the big track with the Xfinity series, they get about forty-five, fifty thousand. 50,000. So even though it looks like nobody's there, they're almost double the attendance they had at IRP. The racing at IRP was so much better. I mean, there were some great races there. There were some great races to Milwaukee Mile, but promoters there couldn't get their heads out of their asses to figure things out. So Milwaukee Mile's empty because of themselves. It isn't because NASCAR pulled out. NASCAR pulled out because IRP, I mean, uh, the Milwaukee Mile didn't pay the promoter's fees and pay NASCAR what they were supposed to, so they wound up crapping the bed and ruin it for themselves. There's some really good tracks that I would love to see. Uh, Whenever you brought up about the dirt track doing a dirt race for the Cup Series, I want to keep it where it's trucks only. It's a big event for the Truck Series. It's Mm -hmm. a a one-of-a-kind. If we start bringing everybody else and putting them on a dirt track, the Truck Series thing will lose its big thing, and it still hasn't lost the shine off of it yet a few years in. Right, and I think a part of it, too, if we run a, uh, a dirt race, not to change the subject here quick, but if we run a dirt race at the, uh, for the, cup, at the cup level, you know, you got to remember, those are, they're still paying the, the, their pit crew salaries, even. Uh, and as for a cup team, that's a lot of money, and they're not probably going to use them that weekend because we see heat races and how they structure the race, which I love in the dirt tracks. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally think that um, – that there would be another issue where they, maybe these team owners say, hey, I'm, pay- I'm still paying these guys. You know, They're not going to be here this weekend, but I'm still paying them their salary, uh, and we're not even using them. Sort of interesting as well there. Uh, I w- want to say Alex Gallagher from uh, lastwordonmotorsports.com, lastwordon here. Uh, final quick word here from, the, from your article here. Great work, by the way. And, um, you know, what tracks do you think um, you would like to see on this schedule uh, even if it's Xfinity or Trucks, you know, obviously I think the company is pretty set. You know, maybe we'll see a track move here and there in the next ten years. But um, where where do you want to see NASCAR sort of go to? I know you're from Canada, and NASCAR's tried to go up to Canada. They're still there in the Truck Series. They tried that in the Xfinity Series at Circuit del Giovinco, and that did not work very well. It didn't work in Mexico as well. I know you put in your article you wanted to see expanded to Mexico as well. Um, but where do you want to see it go to, go to Canada? And what kind of tracks in Canada do you think? Um, could sort of host an Xfinity or Truck Series event? You know, I think the deal with Canada is a lot of the racing comes from the province of Quebec. And with the province of Quebec, they're very um, nationalistic in terms of their province, and they, they love the drivers from Quebec. And that's why the, the Circuit Gilles-Villeneuve race kind of fell apart when all the Quebec drivers started dropping out. I've been to, I think, two of the races over at Mossport, and frankly, people there, they don't really care how well Cameron Haley does. They just want to see who wins this race. And I think Ontario fans and people from outside of Quebec, they are very neutral in terms of they're going to cheer for their favorite driver, not necessarily if they're from uh, Canada. But I definitely think that Mossport 
if it has a little bit more upgrades, it can hold an Xfinity Series race there alongside the truck race. And I also think another track that is very, very good is Autodromo Jimenez Rodriguez in Mexico, not just because um, it's a road course, but it has a little built-in oval, a little kind of a bullring oval that kind of goes to the baseball stadium. And that's a really unique track, I think, that maybe the trucks or Xfinity could utilize. But for the Cup Series, I really have my heart set on seeing Road America on the schedule. Road America, I think, is probably the last road course they can probably add on the schedule. Maybe drop a day from Kansas or from, uh, I don't know, Texas or something, just a thought. But add that into Road America because they get a lot of fans up there for the nationwide race. And uh, it's actually one of the most premier events in the series. But I think for terms of Xfinity, I would love to see Memphis because I heard that Memphis is coming back on the ARCA schedule this year. As yes, well as completely maybe not going to happen, but I'd love to see Eldora or Knoxville on the Xfinity Series schedule. Maybe more Knoxville, so they have their own dirt race at a different track, uh, separate from the cup, uh, from the truck series. But I'd love to see Irwindale. I think Irwindale with mm. the trucks could be a tight bullring, beating and banging. And I definitely think that I've watched the, uh, the old Toyota All-Star Showdown they used to have at right. Irwindale. It's amazing yeah. racing. And I think the trucks can benefit. Really, the trucks can run anywhere. They could run on the road course in uh, – in Toronto, the IndyCars run on. They could hypothetically do that if they wanted. But I uh, really think the trucks have so much freedom to run in a lot more places than the Cups or Xfinity do. No, I, I agree. And, Alex, thank you so much for joining the show. You're great tonight. And thanks for giving us a, a topic to discuss. And we'll discuss it a little further here on the show. Uh, I love the fact that you mentioned Irwindale, John, because it's the fact that it's out west. And we need to expand this sport, and I agree. And I think part of the problem is when we expanded out west in the Cup Series and even in the Xfinity Series, we went through a lot of mile-and-a-half tracks. You know, look at California. It's a two-mile track, you know, and it's kind of bold, it's kind of boring racing. And I don't know the logistics behind Irwindale. I don't know what, the ownership behind that. But if we can get a short track out west, I think that's huge, you know, and, and sort of get these fans to say, will they support a short track? You know, we've seen um, a road course at Riverside. They didn't really support that. Ontario, which was in the western Indianapolis, they didn't support that. Maybe a short track's the next, and they're really not supporting California all that well either. Uh, they had to go down to one week because they weren't supporting it that well. But the, I would love to see a short track out west, John, and just give these teams other options. I think short tracks are huge. I would love to see the trucks even run at Nashville, um, this, the Nashville uh, Fairground Speedway. I think that would be huge. You know, I didn't care for the super speedway they had there, but I love the short track, and I think that would be huge for them as well. I think, again, it's one of those things about people in the seats. I mean, can they survive on ten to 15,000 people with, or the size? Because Irwindale's not that big of a track. It probably seats ten to 15,000. I mean, it'll look great that it's sold out, but can you survive on 15,000? And the logistics to get in there, what's it going to be like to shoot TV in there? How much room do you have for the camera crews? How much room do you have for pit crews? I mean, it's the logistical nightmare of NASCAR especially like whenever we were talking Mexico, the cost of passports, the cost of getting your trucks across the border and everything, making sure everybody's down there. And then you got to take the extra security precautions the way things have been lately. So it's almost a nightmare to go to Mexico right now. I'd wait for that one till they get everything straightened out and figure out how they're going to do it. But that's a big cost that the Xfinity and Truck Series teams just can't afford. Yeah, and I think part of my problem with, with going to Mexico and Canada, and um, I've been open on this, I don't know if I've ever discussed it with you or on this show before, um, 
I, I want to go there. I, I think it would be good to expand the sport maybe once or twice. And I don't think it would be good to go there four or five times since the product gets stale, but maybe once in Canada, once in Mexico, a truck and Xfinity race. But if you look at that Xfinity race, I, I, you know, I don't remember the exact number anymore, but there was a lot of people from Mexico in that race. Now, that's not a, that's not a, a thing that I, I don't think Mexican drivers can drive, but, you know, if you put a cup race there, they're not gonna, you're not going to be able to see Mexico's great drivers get into a cup ride. Um, so you have to wonder if what's the draw? If NASCAR is not the draw there and these drivers are the draw, then it's really not – there's no point in going there because when, if you ever want to get the cup race, these cup guys aren't going anywhere. Can the Matt Kenseth, can the Dale Earnhardt Jr., can the um, Jimmy Johnson's Chase Elliott's of the world sell their product in Mexico? That's a question, or in Canada even. That's that's the question I would like to know, um, and if they can do that, then I'm all for it. And, and keep those guys in there, I'm all for it. You know, maybe see one or two Canadian drivers try and go up there and see how they could do. I'd be all for that. But you know, when we were in Mexico, we had like 15 drivers in that race, and I was just kind of like, well, what we? It's not appealing to me because these aren't my heroes that I'm watching running out there. They're the Mexico's heroes. And is it really an exciting race just because we're watching some guys run around the Hendrick Motorsports stuff? Uh, it just kind of was sour on me a little bit. Uh, I, I, you know, I remember when uh, we went to Cirque du Soleil. Um, Patrick Carpentier fell out of a race winner for Michael Walter Racing, and half the crowd left. I mean, to me, that's not good. Uh, a good sign for Canada. But I hope, and you know, Al- Alex was saying, hey, you know, that that's just sort of Quebec there, um, and I hope that's the case because if that's the case. Then then let's go and, and try this even more up there. But I think that's another factor that. Um, as far as expanding it globally that we have to take into consideration as well. I think the truck race at Canadian Motorsports Park this year was phenomenal. And I think Ron Fellows and the crew up there are working to continue to upgrade that track. And they could end up having the Xfinity Series up there at some point. I can live with that. The Cup Series, I mean, again, it's how how can they – will it sell up there? And if it does – Who's going to give up a race to go up there? They're not going to add another one. And Bruton and ISC aren't going to lose their races. And the Pocono's not losing theirs. So you're looking at possibly Dover losing a race. And is the return on investment for the 75000 who show up at Dover now going to be equal to the cost of going to Canada? And I, I think the only way Canada gets a race, John, is if ISC or NASCAR buys a track up there. That's the only way it's going to happen. I don't think you're going to see an independent facility like like we see with Ron Fellows and those guys over there at Most Sport. I, I don't think they're going to get a cup race because, again, you talk we talk about the finances of, of that business, ISC and SMI. It's not going to happen. They're not going to lose that, that income. They're just not. It would, even if it's better for the sport, good luck telling Bruton Smith that. Good luck telling... ISC that as a company say, well, it doesn't matter if it's better for the sport. And I think almost like I, uh, before I wrap this up, they're almost pricing themselves out of some of these places even. You know, when you look at what they've done to Daytona, it is breathtaking. It's amazing. But there's no other motorsport track that can even come close. There's no way uh, a track can come close to that. If we get to every track in 20 years, I think might be ISC's goal. Every ISC track has some sort of Daytona around there. Um, you know, that, then we're really pricing ourselves out of those smaller racetracks, and you're just going to get more stale and more stale and more stale. Um, so it's it's an interesting topic. I think it's something that I think will be discussed on even more in the next five, ten years. Plus, you got that contract that these tracks are locked into for the next five years. 
Um, so nobody's really going anywhere for the next five years. So everything that we talk about with these tracks will have to go, you know, uh, after the 2021 season sort of. So, yeah, it's an interesting topic. But, again, it's a topic we've discussed that with length where there's really not a whole lot NASCAR can do about that because of the business behind it. I would like to see NASCAR say, hey, we're not worried about the business, but I don't think it's going to happen. 917-889-8280 to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles. An interesting tweet, Adam Stern from the Sports Business Journal tweeted it out uh, earlier this week about midweek racing. Now, John Miller, NBC Sports President of Programming, said, quote, we are having conversations with them, with NASCAR, about the possibility of midweek racing. We like the idea of road racing and think it's pretty exciting. So we're working with them on those fronts. That's what's great about dealing with NASCAR. We can sit in a room, throw some ideas, and have them take them back and consider them inside their walls, end quote. Um, so the way I think it is NBC wants some kind of midweek racing here, John. It's been a topic that's been on and off for the last 10 years you know, we obviously want a majority of our races on Saturday nights and Sunday afternoons. Um, but what do you think, John? Do you think midweek racing can is a good thing? Do you think it can work in NASCAR? No, not at all. Um, unless it's a TV-driven deal, because you look at most of the tracks. People go. To, I mean, people have their hearts set on going to certain tracks. Like, for example, you go to the Daytona 500 every year. That's a big trip for you going from New Jersey down to Daytona. Just imagine putting the Daytona 500 on Wednesday night. You've got to take a week yeah. off of work to do that. And that's not available. People have to work. They have to do everything, especially if you're going to do it during the school year. And what's the draw of doing it midweek in the summertime? Because in the summertime, you're not competing against anybody on the weekends. If you're going to do it, do it in the fall because you're competing against the NFL on Sundays. But if you're going to do Wednesday night racing, who's going to be there? Yeah, listen, I think uh, part of it is is you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, I, I was talking to a, a caller of ours, actually, who comes on the show usually on a weekly basis about this. He brought up a phenomenal point. I don't know if this – and I, I like the idea. I like kicking the idea around because I think it's a good thing. And I'll give you my where I think it can work. But let me talk about where I don't think it can work first. Um a place like Martinsville, 13,000 people roughly um, is is the population at Martinsville speed, uh, for Martinsville, Virginia. Most of these people travel to these races. So Sunday's a good day to do that. You're not going to see people go, man, we're running a Wednesday night race at Martinsville Speedway. You know, I live 100 miles from there. i got to work Thursday. I'm not going to go to heck with that. Why would I do that, you know? And Sunday where you sit there and go, Hey, I can have a, I can make a day out of it. It's great. I get back on Sunday night and have the kind of night and go to work in the morning. That's fine. Um, and I think you have to do it at night too on the on, on the weekend on the midweeks. Uh, if you have a midweek race, it's got to be at night. You can't do it on a Wednesday afternoon. That's stupid. Um, but I think where it can work, John, and where we we used to see midweek racing, people forget that the Daytona July race used to be run on July fourth every year, um, and NASCAR then, I think it was not around 91, 92, decided to run on that on Sunday, you know, and they've kind of gotten away from that. But I think if you do that, if you say, hey, listen, what we're going to do for a midweek race is we're going to run the July Daytona race on July 4th every year. We're going to run it at night. I think people would sort of say, man, that's cool. I can spend 
Fourth of July in Daytona, and have even have Fourth of July weekend. Take a couple extra days off during during that week, and say let's make a, a vacation spot out of it. Daytona's a beautiful place to go, and let's watch racing on on a Wednesday night at Daytona International Speedway. I think that's where it can work. I think that's one of the rare cases it can work, but I think that's where it could work, and it would sort of uh, bring you back to a little bit of, of history. Uh, because it used to be run on the 4th of July, and I think it would be a great week race. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Do you do you think 4th of July could work? Or even something like, like how about Memorial Day? Running Darlington, instead of running Darlington on a Sunday afternoon, on Memorial Day, let the fans have Memorial Day at home and run Martinsville on Monday afternoon in the heat, or excuse me, at Darlington in the heat, the Southern 500, in the heat on Memorial Day weekend, another race Back in the day, used to be run on Memorial Day. What do you think about those? Or Labor Day. Because, or, or Labor Day, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not Memorial Day, Labor Day. Geez, I'm, I'm way out tonight. On Labor Day, running on Labor Day there, during the day, that was a race that used to be run on Labor Day, um, running it there because they're, they're holidays. So I think that would be a little bit more accepting. What are your thoughts on that? I can live with the holiday ones because, like you said, People either have that day off or the day off, day after it off. It's usually, it isn't like you do the 4th of July and a lot of people have the 5th off anyhow. So a lot of times it's a built-in uh, little vacation part that people have made in. But a regular week in August, having a Wednesday night race, what good's it going to do? I mean, you look at the truck race that they have at Bristol on Wednesday night, there are more bleachers than people. There are plenty of empty seats. I mean, you can walk up and get the front row wherever you want to go. The seats are available. Um, it doesn't work very well. I think if it's going to be a TV event, yeah, they'll do it. The one thing where you, the only midweek you see is Eldora that works because it's an event. And that's the only right. one that I've seen so far. And I think, first of all, they do that on necessity. On on a Wednesday because if you you know if you know how Bristol operates and the logistics for Bristol, you know they can't fit all three series at Bristol Motor Speedway. You know all those trucks and everything and and, and just fit everything in the center of Bristol. They can't do it because it's just not big enough because it's only a half mile track. So they run the truck race on a, on a Wednesday night, get them get all everything truck related out of there, and then Thursday and bring in the Xfinity and Cup race and it works fine for Friday and Saturday, but. They they do that in necessity. I don't think it's necessarily that they want to do that. I think it's cool that they do that at Bristol. I think it's 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 a one time deal where you see a Wednesday night race aside from Eldora. I think it's cool. Um, but I would be very interested to see how that would work. John, we have a caller here. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Brandon from Virgi- uh, this is Lee from Virginia. Hey Lee, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> um, I will, I would like to talk chime in here on these uh, midweek races. If you don't mind, please do, Lee. I think it's a good idea, and and I I, I said, talked to somebody about this earlier in the week, and I said I think in the bigger markets it might work. Where you know if you're in Texas and you have Dallas there, um, and, or or you know a Charlotte might work as well. To me, the, the deal is uh, you know at Martinsville and Bristol, um, those tracks they need a weekend because they're not in a big city. There's no major market around them, so Talladega too. There's no major market around them. So you would need to take a whole weekend out of your time to get people to go there. Um, listen, nobody's showing up to these racetracks anyway. 
Uh, I think that, you know, having the midweek, if it boosts your television ratings, I think that I'm all for it. I think it will. I really do think it will. That Daytona 500, if you guys remember, that ran on Monday night, ran, rated pretty well. And here in the middle of the week, there's not much to watch. Um, there isn't, especially in the chase. I think if they fit the Texas race, you know, I know it would be probably very difficult to do um, logistically, but if they did that Texas race in the middle of Wednesday, on Wednesday night and got away from the NFL in the chase, boy, that would be huge for the sport. That really would. I'm telling you, it would be huge because going up against the NFL late in the season kills the sport. I agree. I think that's a big and that's a big problem that, that NASCAR – but I don't think there's anything they can do about that. I'm not I – I, I agree with you on I think um, that it, it's only on special occasions. I think the only way this works is on a holiday like a July 4th or Labor Day for Darlington. I would be totally okay with that. What are we going to lose? What are we going to lose, those guys? I mean, uh, well, I, we, I, it's like it's like when the California Angels in that movie Angels on the Outfield. When he when he thinks about debating about pitching Mel Clark, he goes, "Geez, what are we going to do? Fall out of last place? I mean, we are the lowest rated sport right now in the country. I mean, there there is so many issues out there. The ratings are in the tank. The 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 nobody's showing up to these races. Give it a shot. Maybe it'll maybe it'll rejuvenate it. And if it doesn't work, you can always go back to the weekend the year after." I just I'm afraid I would just be afraid if Texas relies on on those tickets, um, you know how many tickets are going to sell. I think it would be the ratings might be up and the TV deal might be happy, but I don't think Texas Motor Speedway would be thrilled by that at all. What are your thoughts, John? But don't they get a chunk of the TV uh, deal? They do, but they also get a chunk of ticket sales. I don't think they're I don't think I don't think based on rating if if they got a payout based on ratings. If that race on a Wednesday night was a seven, hypothetically seven point three, and they get a, a, a two million dollar bonus, Texas Motor Speedway, because the ratings were high, I think they'd accept that. But that's not the case. They're going to get paid the same either way, whether it's a Sunday or a Wednesday. So it's not going to matter. What are your thoughts? John? Right, you're right. Go ahead, John. I think um, the Texas race in the chase is an interesting thought. But it can't be in every race in the chase because you're gonna you'll be racing in front of an you'll be racing in front of a qualifying crowd, except for a place like Texas. But then again, Texas, I mean, they draw a pretty good crowd unless it's hunting season, or or because or if the if the final four is there, or if Texas is playing football that weekend. You know, they went up at the end of Dallas Cowboys a couple of years ago too. Um, and that, that hurt thing. And also, Clayton, you were mentioning about the payouts, and you're absolutely right. That's something that I didn't even think about. But you look at the sprint deal, and you know they're getting close to thirty million dollars less than what they were than what they were getting. What happens if we go into the next TV deal and the same thing happens? You're talking about the end of the sport, so you do need to boost these ratings. Well, I don't somehow. know about that, but well, I don't know about that. I don't think that we'll ever see the sport completely end. But it would be it would be a big hurt, no doubt about it. And I think. That's a tough decision, but you also got to keep in the fact that, you know, again, Texas Motor Speedway was getting paid the same either way, so they get, they're budgeting their their season and the, and their two races the same way. Uh, that's where I look at it and say, you know, if they don't if they don't make fifty thousand, if they lose fifty a hundred thousand dollars because the races run on a Wednesday, that's not good for Texas Motor Speedway. Texas Motor Speedway and Bruton Smith aren't going to be happy that they don't have a, even if it's a hundred thousand dollars. It's not good because they're getting paid the same either way, and it's and, they, and you, there's no doubt. I don't think there's any discussion between any of us here. There's no doubt 
that the attendance for a, a Wednesday night race at Texas Motor Speedway would probably would be worse than it would be for a Sunday in the chase. It just would be. Um, yeah, you're not going against Dallas Cowboys football. Yeah, you're not going against, you know, uh, college football on a Saturday if you move it to a Saturday. Um, so that that's definitely an aspect to it. But, again, people have to work on Thursday. Um, people have to work on Friday. They just can't say, oh, we're going to take two days off. We're going to, you know, in, in the camping aspect, you're going to lose all, all the campers. Uh, I don't think the campers can be there. Uh, if you tell the campers, hey, you know what, we're going to move the extended race to Tuesday, you know, they're going to kind of go, well, i got to take three days of work off of after having a two-day weekend. That's stupid. They're not going to show up to camp there either. So you're losing all that income uh, for what, really? Because you're going to get paid the same amount of money? I just don't see Texas Motor Speedway biting on it. Again, the only way I see this happening is a, is a Labor Day weekend on a Monday at Darlington Raceway or a July 4th weekend, a July 4th race at Daytona National Speedway at night. I think that's the only way we see this happening, guys. John, what are your thoughts? Very good points. I, again, I think if there's a shot, if there's anybody who would probably take the risk, it would be Eddie Gossage because they, I mean, Bruton's pretty well done. Speedway Motorsport, Speedway Motorsports does well, so they're going to be okay if they try it once and see how it goes. But, again, it's one of those, who do you take care of? You've got that billion-dollar TV deal in his uh, Lee said, if the TV deal doesn't come well eight years from now, whenever it's time to re-up, if they end up losing like they did at the going from sprint to monster of what the reports mm-hmm. are, we could, the sport is going to be it's going to be the same as minor league baseball. It won't be a big five sport. It'll be down there below IndyCar because at least IndyCar is smart enough to run 15 races and say, this is what we have the ability to do. This is what we have the attention span for. Let's do this. We'll make the Indy 500. We'll do a bunch of other races, but it's not that big a sport, and we have enough people who show up and pay attention to it. If they don't, keep their, if they don't get their heads out of their butts, NASCARs will be done in eight years because we don't have the owners to replace the group we have now, too. Well, I, and listen, I... I... Agree. I think listening to TV deals, and we got uh, final minute 30 of this show here, um, and I want to keep both of you guys. We're going to lose Lee here in a minute here, but I want to get his final opinion. Um, but I think the fact that NASCAR is listening to NBC Sports and just taking it into consideration, Lee, is a, is a good step in the right direction. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think finally, though, I think finally that this is something we've been entertaining for a while is that, you know, Maybe they do need to take this chance. And I don't think they're going to start huge. I think they'll do baby steps, maybe one race, uh, do it in the middle of the week and just see how it happens uh, and how it works. I think that that would be good for the sport uh, to try it. Um, you know, obviously we've also talked about moving dates around because, they, uh, you know, things have been stagnant, but that's never going to happen because of who owns the racetracks, and that's a major part of it as well. So, uh, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into this, and I think that, you know, it would have to take place in big market. I think Eddie Gossage is the guy because he's just he's got the guts to do it. And I, and I don't think the fans in Texas would be as you know fickle as fans maybe in other fan bases if you did that. You know, it's an interesting topic for sure. Uh, Lee, thanks for so much. So much. I wish we could keep you on here, but we're losing the live audience and you here in 15 seconds. Uh, thanks for joining the show. You're always a help, and uh, you're always welcome to call. Thanks a lot. Thanks, uh, guys. Lee from Virginia. 
leave from Virginia there. Um, but again, John, and before we wrap this up, I just don't, again, the camping thing is a big thing to me because we don't even go to uh, non-companion Xfinity races anymore because of the fact that they want to keep the campers there during during for two days. If you tell these guys, these, these people who camp at Texas Motor Speedway and have rented there since it's opened and say, you know what, we're going to move this race to a Wednesday night, even though it's in the chase, you know, well, and you're going to tell these people, you're going to take off, if you want to hunt the whole weekend, you're going to take off Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and probably Thursday and Friday to recover from the partying you did on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Um, I just, and they'll say, well, that's stupid. Why don't I just do it on a, on a Sunday? I'll take Monday off to recover, and then I get back to work on a Tuesday, and I won't lose as much money. Uh, I, I just don't see that happening, John. I don't either. Uh, whenever we would go to Dover, we did a camping thing the one year with the Dover Millionaires. We went. We left Thursday morning, got to our parking spot, got our stuff set up, had Thursday night there. We were ready for qualifying or practice and qualifying on Friday, the race Saturday and Sunday, and we packed up and left Monday morning. I mean, that's four days right there going back on the 5th. If you put it in the middle mm-hmm. of the week, you you shot a week, you've got the weekends on each side, you have to take a full week of office vacation to do it instead of just a right. couple of days to make it a worthwhile trip. Yeah, and, and listen, you mentioned that race before we I wrap this up here. I just want to touch on this point. I do go to the 500 every year. You mentioned that. I've gone since 2007 every week, every year. And we were talking about that race, I think it was 2012, where it got rained out and pushed to a Monday night. I had to go home. Uh, that I know the stands weren't very full. I know NASCAR kind of looked at it and said it was a great, you know, it was kind of an interesting, they took a, an interesting, an interest in that because of the fact that it was midweek racing. But, you know, mo- I, if I knew that race was on a Monday, I'm not sure I sit there and I go, mm, you know, I got to get back to school in the morning. Uh, I'm not going to go to that race as a college student, which I was at the time. Um, so, yeah, I already took Thursday, I already took Thursday off for the, for the dual races and all that kind of stuff. So, it was a complicated issue, but I just don't see it happening other than the holidays. I think it would be cool to see it at Darlington on Labor Day. Maybe cool to see it on July 4th at Daytona. Other than that, I just don't see it happening. John, great work again tonight. As always, you do great. Uh, if you want to see some of John Harlow's work, go to speedwaymedia.com. He's there with his uh, view from his recliner, a weekly topic, um, a weekly article. We also, if you want to hear more of our shows, go to speedwaymedia.com, click on the Talking in Circles link, and I'll bring you to our page where we have all our shows listed, and you can listen to any show uh, that we've done in the past. Again, thanks for Alex Gallagher from lastwordonmotorsport.com for joining the show tonight, discussing the latest on, on the NASCAR schedule, and we'll see you guys next week here on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody. <laughs>